0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special, very nice episode number 69 of Crunch Time. I am Tanner Dislin and I am gonna be your host for today's episode. I am joined by my duo, by my companion Sam Gotzi, and we are the N326 Duo. Another weekend of football is in the books some good good stuff on the college football slate a sneaky sneakily good NFL slate didn't have high expectations going into it but it did not disappoint including a little bit of touch on the baseball diamond not a full on the diamond but a little sneak peek into that we get an update on Pickums i believe someone is due for a punishment coming up we have New games to pick, and we end with some questions from you guys. So I'm really excited to get into it. Without further ado, let's do it. We are going to start, as we always do, or most of the time do, with winners and losers. Sam, who's our winner? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: uh, it's pretty obvious who the winner should be, but let, let's be honest. He's still seventh overall in most home runs, so we are not having Aaron Judge as our Winner of the episode. Instead, we have some young NBA prospects that showed out last night in in the G League Ignite versus the Metropolitans ninety two, um, and that is of course uh, Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson battled uh, last night. Scoot Henderson finished with twenty eight points on eleven of twenty one shooting, nine assists, five rebounds, and Victor. Uh, when Benyama poured in a game high 37 points on 11 of 20 shooting, seven of 11 for three, four rebounds, and five blocks. These got these two guys are automatic locks at one and two. It's gonna be interesting to see where they land in uh, the future.
0: So, let me get this straight. He's seven for four, scored 37 points, blocked five shots. And went seven for eleven from three. Yes, sir. My and they God. lost. And they lost. And they lost. And they lost. My God. Um, that dude's pretty good. Uh real quick, Sam, the way too early prediction. Who who do you, what teams that are in the tanking realm? Uh, you know, who, who could possibly reasonably end up in that number one and number two spot? Which one do you think is the best fit for Victor? And which one do you think is the best fit for uh, scoot.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, but whoever gets one, I think the um Jets would be a interesting fit for Victor, just with a young bull running point there and not a whole lot of talent. Um, I would love him to be on the Thunder, of course, being sure. a Thunder fan. that the duo between him and Chef would be insane. It. And uh and uh but scoot scoot I think would be a good fit for the Thunder as well. Um I don't think I mean Spurs with both of these is another team
0: being tossed around Spurs was a team I thought of for for Scoot losing uh DeJounte, needing a needing a point guard that looks like a match made in heaven. But yeah, that is a quick look into what's going on on the basketball court. A lot of prospects coming up. Don't look now. The NBA starts later this month, so pretty soon we're going to be talking about basketball on here. This is the best time to be a sports fan, the month of October. Everything's going on at once, but with that, we're moving on to the baseball diamond. This is a very brutal loser to have for me. I, I you know, I have a lot to say about this, I'm trying to keep it short. Uh, our loser is the New York Mets. For those of you who don't know... The the New York Mets had a ten and a half game lead going into June first. Uh, they they held first place throughout majority most of the year. I mean, I think they didn't hold it for like a combined five or six games or days. And they went into Atlanta this weekend. They had a one game lead, and all they needed to do was win one game, one singular game. If they won one, if they won one of three, they would have gone into each of them would have gone into their respective last series of the season. Braves playing the Marlins, Mets playing the Nationals, so very probable double sweep. They would have gotten into that controlling their own destiny. They would have been tied in the standings, and the Mets would have sealed the tiebreaker. All they need to do is win one game. Two games would have been better, obviously, in a sweep best. However, the Braves absolutely Handled the New York Mets, swept them against Jacob Degrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett. That's the Mets' top three. Their three-headed monster going into the season that was thought to be, to uh, be the best three-headed monster in the MLB, and it really stings. It really, really stings. the The Braves have been battling back since that since that moment, and it it, it kind of begs the question: Did the Mets choke? Right, because the 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 c words thrown around so often in sports, and sometimes when when other teams come back, you it's out of your control, really. Uh, The Braves, since June first, when the Mets had that ten and a half game lead, they went seventy eight and thirty four over those one hundred twelve games following that. That's the best in the MLB. The Los Angeles Dodgers didn't play as good a baseball as the Braves did over that stretch granted it wasn't by much they went 78 and 35 compared to the 78 and 34 from the Braves, so a half game behind but still the best team in baseball and the team that was trying to make a bid at winning the most games in a single season didn't even play as well as the atlanta braves did since the june 1st cutoff when the mets were up 10 and a half games that is absurd for 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 some context the mets went 66 and 44 that's 22 games over 500 that's damn good, too. So it's pretty hard to say that a team choked when the team that came back on you played absolutely historic baseball six ninety six winning percentage. That's absolutely absurd. But with that being said, i it, it just really sucks when I mentioned before there's not much you can do about it, and that's something that I said I know a lot of Mets fans have said. It's like, look, this braves team isn't losing right now. There's nothing we can do. We're playing winning baseball. They just don't lose. We never get any help. That's what I said all the time. Can someone that's not the New York Mets beat the Braves? Didn't seem to happen. But you had one shot, one series where you did control it. You know, throughout a majority of the season, you couldn't. They, you're at the mercy of other teams beating the Braves. But this weekend, you could. You could control it, and you could say, "Damn it." This is our division, and you didn't. You're, you lined up your three best pitchers, and the Braves turned around and shoved it right back up yours. It was very frustrating to watch, very disheartening to watch. Hats off to the Braves on a great season. Hats off to the Mets on a great season. Just not as good as the Braves. Um, very disheartening. Very, very disheartening. But they got to be the loser after win- after winning for so long, leading for so long getting come back on, and all you needed to do was win one game to control your own destiny. And as we're sitting right now, the Mets ended up sweeping that series against the Nationals. So had they won one game and controlled their own destiny, they easily could have swept the Nationals and would have won the NL East. So very disheartening stuff, very somber tone. I I say the Mets are our loser. But turn things around. Football happened this weekend, and it was a good slate. As always, we're going to start on the college side of things. A game that I thought was going to be a good game. I know, Sam, you thought was going to be a good game. We had Oklahoma traveling to TCU, and this was not a good game.
1: Yeah, I mean, TCU dominated in every asset of the game. TCU passing yards 307 to OU's. 176 TCU rushing just absolutely dominant 361 rushing versus OU's 179 and it seems like there is a Riley family domination of Oklahoma with Garrett Riley of course being the offensive coordinator for TCU and brother of former Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley so just an absolute domination by the Horned Frogs this week
0: yeah i don't really have much to add I, other than i hope dylan Gabriel's okay kind of a scary pretty cheap hit as he was sliding gets uh gets hit by a linebacker gets knocked out of the game davis bevel i don't know how to pronounce his name came in and he did not excite um and yeah as you said 55 to 24 in favor of tcu the riley family has a chokehold over Norman, Oklahoma. But moving on, this was kind of the headliner one of the games we had picked. Um we've got Kentucky traveling to Mississippi to face Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, this one was weird just like looking at the stats they were pretty even. Just a weird game, but uh, Ole Miss got a big win here, uh, improving on their impressive season already this season. But I don't got much to add in this one.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, very, it was kind of a kind of a weird game. Of course, Kentucky was number seven in the nation going into this game. Ole Miss was like fifteen, and Ole Miss, you know, was a touchdown favorite, and you know, Kentucky covered. You know what they say. Good teams win. Great teams cover. So, Kentucky's a great team because they cover. But um, I don't think I'm, I'm I'm taking too much from this game either way. I still think Kentucky is a damn good team who can make some noise in the SEC. Ole Miss, kind of the same thing. So, kind of as you said, this the game. I mean, it was close, pretty fun, scoreless fourth quarter, which is a little bit interesting, but uh, not too much to take away from that. Uh, the the game day game. Where college game day was, they were in Clemson in Death Valley, having the the uh, NC State Wolfpack traveling to Clemson to face the Tigers. Sam, which got on this one,
1: yeah, this this one was uh, really highlighted the flaw in NC State's uh, offense, and that is their running game. Clemson just absolutely dominated on every facet of the game. Uh, that's kind of a common theme with these games this weekend, this past weekend, but Clemson's defense held NC State to 34 total rushing yards. Looking like Iowa's anemic offense right there. Um, But, yeah, just absolute domination um, by Clemson. Score score, uh, doesn't tell the story. It was a lot worse than 30 to 20.
0: Yeah, it felt like Clemson really had control of this game, like you said, Sam. I do want to shout out uh, someone who who kind of uh, was a little bit under fire from us from his, from his struggles last year. Of course, that's Clemson quarterback DJ Uyunglele, who didn't have the greatest day throwing the football. He only, only threw for 209 yards and a touchdown. But where he was really valuable in this game, Sam, as you said, where NC State struggled, Clemson did not. Uyanga had 73 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns, so uh, three total touchdowns for for DJ and and really willed, uh, willed Clemson to a victory, as you said, Sam, uh, winning in in slightly decisive fashion, certainly more so than the score suggests. Um, and then we've got we've got the upset scare of the week to to wrap out our wrap up our college football talk. Excuse me. We had Georgia going to Missouri. Now, who would have thought that we would be talking about Georgia-Missouri in our weekly episode? Not me. Not me. But Georgia fell down to Missouri quite early, I believe. At one point it was, was it 19 to th- 16 to 3? Yeah. To 3? I think it was, they had three points and Missouri had 16 or 19 and it looked very scary for Georgia, but they were able to come back and eke out a victory 26 to 22.
1: Yeah, this this was a example of what happens when you can't finish drives getting in the end zone. Georgia uh had a 40-yard field goal, a 34-yard field goal, a 28-yard field goal, 29-yard field goal. Those are just drives you. I given 40 yard. Okay, I'll give you that. But 34, 28, 29, that is tough. You just have to execute on offense. Two fumbles adding to the mix for Georgia. Just not, not a good look. I mean, they still had 481 yards total for Georgia. So it really came down to just not being able to finish these drives out.
0: Yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a theme we're certainly going to revisit later in the episode when we move on to the NFL slate. But now this is two weeks in a row where Georgia really looks vulnerable. They, they were a team that really looked like they couldn't be touched. I mean, only, of course, by Alabama. There were talks about this Georgia team being better than last year's after they lost all those players in the first round of this year's draft. And for a second there, it was looking like this. That was the case that this Georgia team was that good, absolutely pounding Oregon the way they were handling teams early on in the season. But I mean, with this game against Missouri, and then the game before against Kent State, I mean, thirty nine to twenty two over Kent State. I mean, come on here. This, this is yeah. not. This is not what Georgia should be looking like, and uh, the AP committee has taken note moved him off that number one slot after after this past week. So very, very interesting stuff um coming out of Athens. Yeah. Looking- I think
1: I think these two games is really gonna wake up this Georgia uh coaching staff. I think Kirby Smart is going to light a fire. I mean, let's be real, all of us, including our listeners, thought Georgia was just gonna roll. And very easy. I'm sure that got to their head. And it's, it was a, I think this is going to be the wake up call Georgia needed. And uh, it's going to be scary, I think, the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm hoping so for Bulldog fans' sake, right? I mean, like we said, it's just really looking vulnerable right now. That is not a good thing as you enter your SEC schedule. Bounce back game next week against Auburn, of course, should be a win. Auburn's struggling pretty heavily right now. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for our college football talk, man. It was it was a good weekend. Uh, Sam and I had a uh, weren't able to watch a, a ton of games. We had hoped we were actually in Iowa City for Michigan's uh, dismantling of the Iowa Hawkeyes right in front of our faces. And uh, yeah, so we decided to not talk about that one for our <laughs> own mental health. But we're going to move on to the NFL slate now. Again, I, I think last week we kind of talked about how it was a little bit of a down NFL slate, and well, I do think this was the case. Like I said before, I'm I think it it surprised a little bit and how good these games were. Uh, before we get into the actual games, of course, uh, on Thursday we had a very scary moment uh, on on the football field where Tua, of course, had that injury against Buffalo, where he came out of the game, looked like he was stumbling, grabbed his head after he fell. Uh, Came back in the game. The Dolphins, of course, tweeted when he came out saying that Tua is questionable to return with a head injury. Once he returned, backtracked and said it was a back injury. He came back and played well. I mean, he played pretty well in that game, um, and, and and the Dolphins won. And they turned around, traveled to Cincinnati to play the Bengals on Thursday night. Quick turnaround after that game. He cleared concussion protocols played in this game took an absolutely nasty hit suffered some pretty nasty whiplash his head hit the his head hit the uh the turf pretty hard and went into what is known as the fencing pose um with his hands in front of his face uh a pretty scary scary moment and if you haven't seen it and you, you know, you, you don't take that stuff very well, I'd recommend against it because like I said, the way his fingers and the way it covered his face was was very scary. So uh, a lot of people have you know have given their take on this. Before we get into ours, I just want to say that uh I, I really hope two is okay and that he you know he he can the coaching staff and the, the training training staff can can figure their stuff out and make sure that he doesn't Play when his mind is scrambled eggs, which looked like that was the case on on Thursday. But uh, Sam, kind of t- talk to me about your thoughts about all this.
1: Yeah, this, this was a huge step back for player safety. I mean, we've been hammering the fact concussions are a huge problem in the NFL. Taking those extra steps with the new helmets they introduced this year, and this is just a step back the NFL uh, did not need to have um it was very clear last week it was concussion i don't think anybody i don't care what anyone says even if it was back injury you don't play that guy and this is just a very scary situation we obviously had the report that he was able to travel back with his teammates But just freaky uh, injury. Hopefully this kind of sets a tone for the rest of the league of what not to do in these situations. Um, They did take uh, first steps firing the team doctor for uh, the mishandlement of last week. So steps in the right direction, but a huge step back overall towards the player safety protocols that uh, the NFL has been so strict
0: about in the last five, ten years. Yeah, I mean, you said an absolutely massive step back, and this isn't the first time some shady dealings have gone down, da- gone down in Miami. Uh, the whole thing uh, with Brian Flores, um, I mean, his his lawsuit back against the Dolphins, into some shady dealings there, and then now. Uh playing Tua like this when literally everyone knew it was a bad idea. On Twitter, you had you had doctors and neurosurgeons tweeting out like he simply cannot play this game. If he gets another concussion, um, you know, with the two within one one week of each other, like that's long-term effects. That's not just season effects, that's long-term effects. Uh, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and it just begs the question Would Tua have returned in that first game if they were not playing the Bills and they were trying to play the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl, who happens to be in their division and assert themselves as the favorite in that division? And would he have played this game if they didn't play the Bengals, the defending AFC champions? Of course, went to the Super Bowl, a a big primetime game. So just just really, really bad stuff all around. I, we're, we're praying for Tua uh, hoping that he's able to get hoping he's able to get on the field soon, but also not hoping he's able to get on the field soon and that he can take the time, doesn't feel pressured and, and the organization can let him heal because uh, that was nasty and uh, we don't want to see anything like that ever again uh, on the football field but uh, in a little in some happier spirits because <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings went down to London and played the New Orleans Saints and were able to eke out a 28 to 25 victory. This game featured a double doink, the second one in 5 years. Will Lutz tried to kick it from 61 yards and uh, was was unsuccessful in doing so, leading to the double doink. But, uh, Sam, what you got for me on the Vikings' win to move them to 3-1? and one?
1: Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you get the ball to your best player, Justin Jefferson. It's really incredible. Um, but <laughs> what a double doink. I mean, we were watching this live. We got up early, watched the game. I I don't know about you, Taylor, but I thought this was off the off the upright and and it, but it hit the. It was just craziness. Yeah, the,
0: the live angle was very tough to see where the ball was.
1: Yeah, but it it makes you wonder if Will Lutz didn't kick that field goal, the sixty yarder, with two minutes left. What do we have a different outcome here? Yeah. Are we heading to overtime in London and tying as a? Uh, Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton love to do, but <laughs> it fell in the Vikings' favor. Good win. Um, solid win for the Vikings. Don't have much more to add.
0: Yeah, I mean, this one is kind of the circling back on what I had talked about, or what I guess what you had talked about, Sam, about scoring touchdowns when you're in the damn red zone. I mean, Georgia had four field goals in that game. Um, the Vikings had five in this one. Uh, Greg Joseph was 5-for-5 five five on field goals, uh, many of which were in the red zone. They were chip shots. Uh, you just got to score touchdowns. Th- this is a game where I thought the Vikings massively outplayed the Saints, as they should have. The Saints were without Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. And you almost lost it. I mean, you almost went to overtime. And, and that cannot happen. And that is exactly what happens when you do not score touchdowns and the opposing team only scores touchdowns, and and that's a big problem. Uh, but it's always better to to learn from a win than a loss. In the past years, these games the Vikings would lose; they would fall in one and three instead of three and one. And now there's no margin for error. It's damn hard to win in this league. So anytime you go three and one, it's definitely commendable. Um, so Vikings are three and one. How about that? Moving yeah, on. Go ahead no it's a solid win
1: yeah Yeah, no matter no matter how it gets done it's a w in the uh
0: win column so can't complain we will take it now moving on to kind of the the afc headliner game uh this weekend the buffalo bills went to baltimore to take on the ravens josh allen versus lamar jackson the quarterback matchup of the century here and it was only 23 to 20 it was a win for the bills the the Ravens jumped out to a twenty to three lead and ended up blowing that. Did not score a single point in the second half.
1: This game exemplifies why the Buffalo Bills are the Super Bowl favorites this year. Um, just like you said, tough tough start. Um, Sean McDermott made those uh, necessary um, adjustments at halftime. Buffalo executed them well. Defense played out of their mind, uh, like you said. Only not allowing a single point, not even a field goal, is insane. Especially when you're going up against Lamar Jackson. But uh, very impressive win. Impressive comeback by the uh, Buffalo Bills.
0: Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. Because I, there, are, there's what is a little bit worrisome is the Bills' offense. I mean, it's the second second uh second game in a row where the bills offense did not look like the bills offense um but that defense is really impressive i mean this was a unit that we i at least i thought was going to really struggle in this game the amount of injuries they're dealing with uh they went into miami with those injuries of course you had the tua situation so take that with a grain of salt uh as to the performance of, of buffalo's defense in that game but They really showed up in this game, especially in that second half, as we talked about Uh, the Ravens offense is scoring better than just as good, if not better than damn near every team in the league and uh, hold that defense, holding them scoreless in the second half Lee and that comeback, very impressive stuff, especially when you factor in all those, uh, all those injuries they are dealing with now uh, moving on to a, a lesser, Moving on to a, a lesser game, kind of a kind of a weird, weird game. The Patriots traveled up to Lambeau Field and almost beat a Green Bay Packers team playing Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Or they almost beat the Green Bay Packers team while the Patriots were playing Bailey Zappi. <laughs> Bailey Zappi did not play for the Packers. Anyway, 27 to 24 victory for the Packers in overtime.
1: Yeah. But- I know the Packers were ranked the fourth uh, best team in the power rankings, which I think is absurd. Um, Definitely overrated, in my opinion. That's what's my opinion. I know our former co-host, Keegan, will love that statement. But Bailey Zappi almost got done. That was electric. It's a year of the backup quarterbacks balling out. Bailey Zappi, what a beast. Or third string, not even a backup. Not even a backup.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this game signified something I had feared, and that's just the NFC North sucks. <laughs> the, the division all around sucks. The Packers and the Vikings are both 3-1. and one. Both teams are majorly flawed, majorly flawed. This Packers team was supposed to come in with this stout defense that, you know, didn't give up points. And, frankly, I thought that was going to be the case. And Bailey Zappi's scoring 24 points on him, right? The the offense, we we knew what was going to happen with the departure of, of uh, Devontae Adams, who was going to be uh, Aaron Rodgers' guy. Alan Lazard had a good game, you know, the top candidate to come out and emerge himself as Aaron Rodgers' guy. But, of course, not much after that. I mean, Ro- Romeo Dobbs is, I guess, the second option, putting in 47 yards and touchdown. That's two straight weeks with a touchdown for him. So it's good to see him getting the end zone, but he's not getting the receptions, not getting the yards. It just seems like that that's going to be the year for the Packers. I mean, it was a good good week on the ground with Jones and Dylan, that rushing duo, 110 yards for Jones, 73 for Dylan. That's going to be where the Packers get their offense. But yeah, I'm gonna need more from that defense if you're giving up 24 to Bailey Zappi, especially if you want to make some noise in this NFC.
1: Um, yeah,
0: and uh, kind of the the the, the weak headliner going in going into uh, going into this week was the Sunday night game where the Kansas City Chiefs went to Tampa uh Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady Chiefs Bucks the rematch of the Super Bowl and the Chiefs just showed up and said we are better than you Mahomes I'm better than Brady and just completely took it to
1: him. Yep I uh, can't add more uh Tom Brady clearly didn't listen to the pod last week. Maybe this week he'll check it out, but he has to get his head in a game. Listen to Troy Bolton. I, I promise I know you're going through some stuff at home, but the Bucks need you. But props to Patrick Mahomes. Golly, that one play where he ran around and just, like, tossed it is insane. They're not missing Tyreek Hill. They are just as dominant as when they had him. Chiefs are as good as ever. Nothing much more to add there.
0: Yeah, dude. I, I and I also got a got a call on Leonard Fournette. He had three carries for minus three yards. You just need to be better. He did have a receiving touchdown, in seven, fifty-seven yards through the air, but still, the the ground game was non-existent for for the Buccaneers. And when you're one-dimensional, leading on a forty-five-year-old quarterback, it's just not going to work out well for you. Yeah. Uh- and lastly, we kind of had a battle for the NFC West, the two favorites in this division. You had the Rams traveling up north. Yes, up north to San Francisco <laughs> to face the 49ers. I'm not well acquainted in my California <laughs> geography. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, again, this was another game where the 49ers just kind of grabbed it, by, grabbed the game by the horns. Nice. And nice. Just, and didn't let go. It was 24 24-9 victory for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean, 49ers defense looked as good as ever. That's their memo. That's their motto, defense first. Uh, Jimmy G, just don't lose. And they did just that touchdown, interception, fumble recovery, all while playing one of the most dynamic wide receivers in Cooper Cup. And that connection went Matthew Stafford, but 49ers dominate.
0: Yeah, pretty much all I have to add about this one is the Rams O-line stinks. The 49ers defensive front is really damn good. The, the, I guess the 49ers defense because they did have that pick pick six. And uh, I'm I'm a little bit worried about, uh, a, about that Rams offense. And Debo Samuel is really damn good at football. That's going to wrap it up for our football recap. We had college. We had NFL. It was a great weekend slate. But before we move on to them and our questions, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. And we are back from that quick commercial break. Shout out to Anchor for sponsoring this video. You want to start a podcast, you've got to start with Anchor. Before we move on to our them, I know that is where we are headed, but... We got to crown our players of the week, Sam. So we're going to start in college like we always do. And talk to me. Who is our NCAA player of All the
1: right. week? If you watching college football this weekend, you know where I'm going with this. And that is Ohio State running back Mayan Williams had a day against Rutgers. 21 rushes, 189 yards. And to cap it with five. Yes, five. Touchdowns on day. How can a running back with five touchdowns not be your NCAA
0: player of the week? I mean, yeah, it's five touchdowns. Doesn't matter what position you play, all you had to say. Was he scored five touchdowns, and that would suffice to justify a NCAA football player of the week. But going on to the NFL side of things, um, I try to keep it, you know, keep switching it up positionally. And we've got a brand new position this time, but this guy really balled out. He had 12 targets, eight receptions, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. That is 39.9, just missed the 40-point fantasy point mark but i know what you're thinking wait you've already done a wide receiver but that's not a wide receiver that is a tight end that is t.j hawkinson's stat line this week with the detroit lions in that shootout against the seattle seahawks the seahawks and did end up winning this game but the only reason they were into it was thanks to of course jared goff elite quarterback but of course throwing it to his big tight end iowa grad T- or Iowa went, went to Iowa. I don't know if he graduated. <laughs> went to Iowa again, eight receptions, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Almost a 40 burger from a tight end. That's some impressive stuff. So, TJ Hawkinson, you are deserving of our NFL player of the week. All right man the time has come the moment you've all been waiting for is the pickums now this week was an awesome week sam wouldn't you agree it was a great week absolutely not sam went 2 and 4 this week i will say a lot of his picks were of course rooted in the fact that he had to make a comeback to avoid a punishment however i am just incredible i'm i'm so smart i went 6 and 0 oh in my picks this week <laughs> Putting my record at 19 and seven this month. Sam went two and four, putting him at 12 and 14. And that makes me the winner. I have officially won uh, the month of September. So now it's punishment time. Next week on the show, we will have a punishment for Sam haven't decided what it's going to be yet. I do need to get in the lab, do a little thinking. Let me know. I mean, tweet at us. We'll, we'll get our socials at the end of the episode. Let us know if you have any suggestions. I am all ears. I get You guys involved. Most importantly, I really want to punish Sam. So <laughs> let me know what you guys think. But look forward to that next weekend. But we're going to enter a new month, first week of October. It's going to be good stuff. We're going to start in college again. Game number one, we've got number 17, TCU, fresh off that dismantling of Oklahoma, traveling to the 5-0 and oh, Kansas Jayhawks. College game day is in Lawrence, baby, and it is going to be electric in Kansas for football for the first time <laughs> in many, many years. But Sam, who do you have in this game? Oh, you know, Rock Chalk,
1: baby. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. I know TCU came off that big win against Oklahoma, but in Lawrence, college game day, it's going to be rowdy. Kansas has just keep it going. Keep steamrolling. I got the Jayhawks in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is probably the closest you'll ever get to a must win for a 5-0 team right? You got people saying you're not for real. If you got people saying, like, it's crazy that you're getting this much hype. Game day comes. You got a big top 25 Big 12 matchup. You just can't lose. But here comes TCU. The red hot Horn Frogs, again, as we said, absolutely destroying Oklahoma. And I think they parlay that momentum into a road win. I hate to do it. I hate to say it all cinderella stories come to an end at some point and i think tcu will be the one to end this for kansas and uh, give them their first loss so i've got the horn frogs in this game another big 12 matchup funny story here there are four big 12 matchups this weekend all of which feature a ranked team except for one that one game you asked? (laughs) Well, that would be the Red River Red River Rivalry. Words are hard. <laughs> the Red River Rivalry. You have Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, there's not much to say about this rivalry. Anyone who knows college sports knows about it. It is a great rivalry, but the teams stink. Probably neither team will have their starter. I don't know about the. Uh, don't know about the health of Dylan Gabriel, but uh, looked like a pretty nasty hit. Who you got here, Sam?
1: Horns down, baby. I got Oklahoma. I don't care if Dylan Gabriel is playing or not. I don't. I will never pick Texas unless they're playing some no name, and I might give the no name a chance. I'm not picking Texas. I think Oklahoma needs a pretty big bounce back win after that uh, ass whooping. The uh, TCU Horn Frogs gave them last week. I I think Oklahoma gets a bounce back uh, win against their rival Texas.
0: Not so fast, my friend. I think I think Oklahoma will struggle to find that offensive identity with Dylan Gabriel out. We certainly saw that against TCU. I know they will have the week to prepare, but uh, but Texas, I think the offense has looked decent with uh, Hudson Card under center when, when Quinney Rewers went out. And I just think that, that that's going to be too much to overcome for Oklahoma. So I'm going with Texas. I'm going with the, the quarterback who's played a little bit more in, in Hudson Card. And I've got the Longhorns uh, getting the win over the Sooners in this game. Next one is number eight, Tennessee. I mean, had the bye week last week coming off a big, big win against Florida in Knoxville traveling to baton rouge big game against lsu and brian kelly sam who you got here yeah i mean that bye week is gonna play a big part in this
1: one i got tennessee uh, behind that heisman hopeful hindon hooker has been playing good all year this is just another opportunity uh for him to excel i got tennessee
0: Sam, that's a great pick. I definitely agree with you here. Tennessee coming off of that win against Florida got some momentum, but the hangover effect doesn't seem to be at play here because of that bye week. As you said, they're healthy. They're rested. They got great quarterback play from Hen and Hooker. And uh, I just think they're a really damn good team. And, and, you know, we had this conversation, who's the second best team in the, in the sec. SEC East and the third-best team in the SEC, I think Tennessee has really grabbed that title uh, and, and run with it for the time being. So I I really like their chances here going to Baton Rouge. So I, I agree. Volunteer, volunteer Nation. That's right. Uh, <laughs> next, next game we're going to pick – we're going out west, Sam. We're going to the Pac-12, and we've got number 11, Utah. The Utes are going to the Rose Bowl and playing – the UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly, who you got here. Yeah. I mean, the UCLA
1: faithful is going to be rowdy. Obviously that is a joke. There is no such thing as a UCLA faithful, but that does not determine who's going to win. I still got UCLA. I just, it's not that I love UCLA. It's the fact that think Utah is mad overrated. Um, I just like UCLA in this one. Uh, I think Chip Kelly will have his boys ready. I got UCLA winning this one. You just feel it, yeah. You just, you just feel it's a good it.
0: feeling for sure. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, not so fast, my friend. I like Utah in this game. I think Utah is a pretty good football team. They've kind of handled business since that Week One blunder in Gainesville. They beat Southern Utah seventy-three to seven. This team can score a lot of points uh having their lowest lowest points in a game thus far is 26 against Florida, who is the best defense they've played so far. UCLA doesn't really play any defense. As you said, Sam, I mean they're gonna put on a show for all six fans there, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But uh, I think with noise not a factor, I think Utah's the better team. I think they're playing uh they're playing like a like a like a pretty good football team right now. And uh I, I like I like the Utes here going into into the Rose Bowl and, and like I said Stealing a victory right in front of all six of those fans. But uh, now we're going to the NFL slate. Um, we're going to start off with Sam's Cowboys. Cooper Rush is the, is the, that dude. I mean, he's, he's he is him. He, he is high. him. He's him. He's got that dog in him. He's got all of the above. I mean, he, he is an absolute stud, has not lost a game while a starter. They are traveling to SoFi Stadium and facing the Rams coming off of that rough performance on Monday night. I feel like I don't need to ask, (laughs) but I definitely do need to ask, Sam, who do you have here? Of course you know I'm going with the Cowboys
1: in Cooper Rush. We trust, baby. No, but uh, just some reasoning. I just have not liked what I've seen from that rant. The Rams as a whole, honestly have not looked good. Um, Jalen Ramsey got schooled last week against uh, against Debo Samuel. Samuel make him, made him look like a fool. Obviously, Cooper Cup is going to get his as he does every week, but they just are struggling to get in that end zone. Um, Cowboys have a, a solid piece uh, coming back this week. Michael Gallup um, taking kind of that pressure off that young C.D. Lamb, um, but how can you not love Cooper Rush in this one? So I got the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I don't know what else to say about Cooper Rush. He's that dude. He is that guy. Um, I think the this game is going to be won in the trenches, as many football games are, specifically the Rams. When the Rams are on offense, them trying to block that Cowboys front, specifically Micah Parsons, uh, someone who has been virtually unblockable all year long. And uh, the Rams have really struggled in doing so. Um, but with all that being said, I think the theme of this episode is is the Cinderella runs come to an end. And and unfortunately for Cooper Rush, I think that happens here as well. Hell no. um, I, I think the Rams are in need of a big bounce back game. I think they will get it against Dallas uh, at home in SoFi. I've got the Rams here bouncing back after that performance against the Niners. Next game on the slate, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to Arizona and facing the Cardinals.
1: Uh, who you got here, Sam? Uh, Eagles by by Millie. It's not – I don't even think this is going to be close. Um, I mean, the Eagles have looked so dominant this year, um, and I think that continues this week.
0: Eagles may score 50. I mean, they, they look like they look like the class of the NFC, or the NFC, the NFC, um, if not the league. I think I would pump the brakes a little bit on the league, but certainly the NFC. They they have looked so damn good, as you have said. The same cannot be said for the Cardinals. That defense cannot stop a literal nosebleed, and the Eagles are quite possibly the worst team to face right now with that offense humming. So I, I've got the Eagles here. I agree with you pretty handedly, uh, and and to wrap out our pickups. We are going with the Bengals getting that big win over uh, over Miami, uh, seeming to hopefully that will get them on track. But the Bengals go to Baltimore, a big AFC North divisional matchup against the Ravens coming off of that game that they blew to the Bills. So who you got on this one, Sam?
1: This one is going to be a great game to watch. I'm excited for this one. Um, but – I think the Ravens proved a lot to a lot of people. Obviously, gave up, had that comeback by the Bills, but it is the Bills, and they are the Super Bowl favorites for a uh, reason. Um, Lamar Jackson is playing out of his mind. I don't think this is going to be a low scoring. I expect a lot of points. No, none of the defenses are really that uh, great. But with that being said, I, I like the Ravens in this one. The Bengals, I've been up and down all year, um, so I got the Ravens.
0: Hey, Sam, great pick. I've also got the Ravens in this game. I think home field advantage is a big thing, and specifically in the NFC North, a lot of very loyal fan bases, and uh, the Ravens are certainly one of them. And I kind of agree with you. The Bengals, I haven't really loved what I've seen. Um, sure, they got a winning against the Dolphins, of course. The Tua situation certainly played in. Uh, played into that, but I just haven't been a believer of the Bengals much this year, and I don't think that changes. I think the Ravens will get this one at home, so uh, I, I'm riding with you with the Ravens on this one, but yeah, that's gonna round out our pick 's Uh, let us know who you think are winning these games, where you're going against the spread, of course, sports betters here. Let us know your thoughts, we always want to know, but uh. We are going to round out the episode with questions. We did get a few. First one is from Dana Riley. So thank you, Dana, for the question. She says, what is your favorite segment on the pod?
1: You know, this one was a good question. I really like, honestly, all the segments. Um, I like our newest edition, Player of the Week. I think that's a good one highlighting two individuals. Um, Obviously, Gimme Five, always been around. Mount Rushmore, of course. But one we haven't done in a long time, and is pretty hard to do with two people, that is judgment. We haven't done that in forever. Unfortunately, just with two people, it won't happen. But that was so fun. Heated arguments. Uh, if you want to go back and watch us, I greatly inc- I encourage you to do so, uh, but I think judgment is my answer.
0: Yeah, that's a damn good answer that was a hell of a lot of fun to record um like you said the arguments and then someone of course judging uh which side they they t- think won the argument but of course i'm gonna go a little bit of a different route. it's one you mentioned that's our one of our newer editions not the newest but one of our newer editions that's mount rushmore i mean i, I got the sweatshirt on shout up for my take where we got this idea it's just so much fun you use your creativity uh bounce ideas off of someone else doing the same thing it, it, it's it is it is just so so dang much fun you learn so much about different people and and again I, I think the creativity is the biggest part where you can really throw in some really funny and really good answers so yeah, yeah that's that's uh, mount rushmore for yeah just, mount, just... Ru-
1: mount rushmore it's a classic great addition especially during uh, the kind of dead period of sports that really came in clutch for us
0: yes it certainly did uh, our next question is from ryan kearney of the 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 roadie on the horn podcast shout out to to ryan go ahead and give them a follow go listen to their podcast but they had a question for us and they said in honor of episode 69 which it is of course episode 69 <laughs> we should shout out someone of course makes sense with the 69 th- 69 theme that you think is just a damn nice person
1: there, there's so so many nice people in this world, uh, which is a great thing, but I can't pick one person, So I'm just gonna say all the loyal brunch time listeners. Shout out to all of you uh, tuning in every week for the show. so i'm gonna, I'm gonna go with our loyal listeners.
0: That is a fantastic answer. I like that one a lot. Um I don't really know uh, how to follow that one. I'm going to be honest. I mean, that's just the best answer of all time. But, I, you know, I had one uh, that was uh, pretty relevant, uh, pretty timely with our trip to, to Iowa City. And that's, that's Grammy, man. She was awesome. Shout out. Shout out, Grammy. Sam's grandma lives in Iowa City. She was who we stayed with. Uh, dana who asked the other question uh, joined us all three of us stayed at her house and she is just the best she cooked for us she uh, she made the beds for us it was absolutely awesome uh delicious food um my only complaint is like grammy just turn on the ac a little bit earlier but it's all right it happens that seems to be a a thing where the houses of, of of those on the older side tend to be really toasty but super nice as always always welcoming and uh had a great time made some great food and it was awesome
1: that's a great answer thank, you, thank
0: you i thought you'd like it i thought you'd like it <laughs> and not, not only that but she sent home she sent home food with us so now we have, uh, we course. have food for the week so so uh absolutely awesome stuff uh yeah, but I, again, know else is going to answer all of our listeners tuning in every week, giving us questions. We really, really, really do appreciate it. But with that, that's going to wrap it up for this historic episode. This very nice episode, episode 69 of Crunch Time with the N326 duo. As always, again, I keep saying it. I cannot stress this enough how much we want to hear from you. Anything from the podcast? Who are you picking in these games? What questions do you want to hear from us? What's your favorite episode? uh, Your favorite segment to listen to on the pod? Who's someone that you think is just a genuinely nice person? Help celebrate episode sixty nine with us. But uh, that's going to wrap it up, man. You can follow Sam at
1: yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at sam underscore godsey twenty one, and then on Twitter at sam godsey twenty nine.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tdislin 22 The clock has run out. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. The podcast is at crunchtime underscore pod. With that, the clock has run out on this episode. But we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.